Hi, is Rafi okay? Yeah, I'm okay. As is the kind of normally that I've kind of been doing with the podcast interviews that I've done up to now, I normally kind of, I guess for the benefit of our audience, kind of ask people just to give a bit of a, a background, I guess, in terms of, um, you know, kind of how they came to start working with XR technology uh, and a bit of an overview in terms of their, yeah, as I say, their kind of broader broader skills, really. So, yeah, could you kind of give us a bit of a background in terms of your skills and experience and kind of how you um, kind of came to be working on XR technology? Hello, everyone. So, my name is Ashraf Hamid, uh, working here at SAP, leading an uh, experienced pioneering team, uh, which means we are looking within SAP in latest um, technologies, uh, emerging technologies in the market from all of the areas, which means not only XR, but also looking into uh, uh, Web3 technologies, um, and um, also machine learning technologies, AI, um, XR, blockchain, uh, um, NFTs, and so on. So we're actually looking what the market has and also trying to apply into business solutions or also business outcomes. Important is yeah. that we're not just only looking into, uh, let's say, the technology itself, but more into how can we bring them into an end -to -end business process and also how we can help more or less than also the, um, the end users and the business users to get benefit of these technologies. And I guess obviously, you know, from kind of looking at your profile, you've been with SAP now for what, kind of 20, 20 some years. Um, yeah. What have you kind of tend to found that, you know, from, you know, your whole time being there has been the kind of biggest innovation that's impressed you the most during your time with them? Actually, I'm, uh, my background is actually, I'm a computer science a scientist. I'm, I'm yeah. actually here in Germany in Kaiserslautern and interestingly, Roughly, when I did my studies in the end of the 90s, um, I did my thesis into uh, a topic which was actually called uh, computer science, uh, computer graphics, and inside that computer graphics, we actually had, at that time, even end of the 90s, a project to visualize actually 3D ready houses um, for um, a company. I mean, so it was a cool innovate, innovation uh, with the university and the company which made ready-made houses, and even at that time, for the ready-made houses, the customer could buy. For example, we then built up the houses uh, by texturing, for example, indoor elements like rooms, uh, like furniture, kitchens, carpets, and so on. And then yeah. based on the editing of the end users, we then rendered that. At that time, it took us 24 to 48 hours to render such a flow. And then we, of course, then had at the end uh, interactive um, vermal um, uh, file, which we then can, we could then render over the browser, and then the end customer can then fly in through um, that houses and also then see how their houses could look like when they were constructed based on their input. So that, that was end of the 90s. I mean, so I just always make jokes of that because that was actually the first touch point when I, when I started with uh, 3D and um, all of the 3D elements and uh, renderings and ray tracing at that time. And uh, so uh, the proud thing moment of that was that this was all done over the internet. And some of you might remember that this was actually a 20K modem which we then used to get yeah. <laughs> it was not just uh, gigabyte lines or whatever else, but it was more about um, smaller lines which needed to be done there. And again, I assume that what we have created there and what was built up there um, could easily now be replicated on an Raspberry Pi or even another device. <laughs> but at that time, we needed to have. Um, uh, high-end uh, silicon graphics servers who were then rendering all of the ray tracing um, or ray tracing um, uh, sequences, which we then were created automatically out of um, our client server architecture. Have you, I guess, have you experienced or kind of seen that 
as the kind of technologies continue to advance at the pace that it is now, is does innovation become easier because the technology is kind of there to be utilised? Yes, I think definitely. It means uh, at that point in time, um, everything was hand handmade, more or less. That means um, all of the algorithms, all of the servers, I mean, it means there was not ready-made services, solutions, mm which could be utilized and reused. I mean, everything needs to be developed natively as, as actually more or less as a one-off. But now I see, of course, technology has more involved into all of the areas, um, and of course, starting from devices over um, connectivity, over, of course, um, tools to, to, to create um, all kinds of 3D worlds. Um, over the all user interaction, but also other aspects, which was at that time never uh, thought about, was of course scalability, security, um, of course all those topics of accessibility, and so on and so on. Really make a business solution ready. It means more of these or most of these things were not thought about. But of course now the frameworks are bigger, the capabilities are much more fruitful, and also there are more elements which you could reuse and also build on, which of course now. A much easier way to develop all of these um, um, 3D or XR solutions. I guess it makes it more exciting as well because it's kind of the the technology has increased the limitation in terms of how far you can push things. So you can probably, yeah, I guess you kind of can let your creativity run wild. I guess in terms of from an innovation point of view, yeah. kind of what you want to do. Yeah, of course. I mean, I see also if you talked on, on the word of metaverse, uh, if you want to go one step further. I mean, I see it as a bunch of technologies which uh, have capabilities and um, you have all of the great tools which are available in the past you didn't have then it means you need to uh, use your limited tool set but now we have all the full set of capabilities and tools and platforms which you can use as a carpenter and then you can create and start the creativity to say okay i'll take the best uh, rendering platform and take the best uh, streaming platform and take the best this this and this and now i can start imagining uh, more of building up my Solution and also my uh, my yeah my solution or my software or my whatever you want to call it and mm -hmm. less about uh, what I what what tools I have and what limit, limitation the tools have and if you look also as a small example about um, also now happening for example in the market now with ChatGPT uh, and all of the um, all of these enhancements and all also all of these um, capabilities that we have with generative AI. This is actually currently what we are currently analyzing. This is developed in months and quarters. That means new great updates less than in the past in mm. years and decades where capabilities are coming in. So that's something which is really, uh, I would say, amazing because now we can more look into the outcomes and more look into the problems you want to solve and less about the tools and the frameworks which are available because they are developing mm. really in a rapid sense call it uh, speed of light speed yeah so i guess in your opinion i mean we might as well kind of move on to the metaverse as everyone's kind of talking about it but why do you think it matters or why do you think the metaverse is important versus just carrying on i guess with you know kind of augmented or virtual reality and things like that why do you think it's kind of important i mean it's um the importance is based, uh, what we always say within uh, my areas on, on the use case. I mean, um, we are, of course, more looking into business use cases, as you might know that SAP is more of a business solution um, yeah. oriented uh, um, company, which means we are serving, uh, of course, 
mainly businesses and um, companies. You might not be at one location, but you might have uh, town square meetings uh, ag across the world with uh, yeah. businesses and private uh, topics. You might work as um, with augmented reality to, to overlay uh, the real world with lots of magic AR-powered features. This is more about get personal information based on the work which you're doing. For example, that you're done, for example, uh, as a business role, you need to solve a specific business problem. For example, as a um, service technician, you're standing in front of a machine, you want to augment information, or you are traveling and you want to get real-time information based on the location where you are. Uh, you have simulations, which is more about realistic physics and impressive renderings of yeah. the world. So think about digital twins and, uh, uh, for example, digital assets which you have, for example, in a plant, the warehouse, in a factory, implementation over operations, over upgrades on how this uh, hierarchy of digital twins of real machines or real assets actually work. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you have the industrial metaverse, which is actually then... Uh, a network of digital twins providing insight with real-time data, which is then actually uh, the combination of the all three, first three, which I mentioned, plus, of course, um, your business planning software or your enterprise resource planning software mm -hmm. on top of that. And there are incredible, uh, let's say, um, developments which are currently going on in the market, which, uh, which you see where you can simulate whole plants and whole warehouses uh, before they even are built up. Yeah, I mean, I, I read the recent report that MIT produced with Siemens about the kind of metaverse uh, that, that, that they published a few days ago. And I think definitely the, I think of the kind of three metaverses, uh, you know, the kind of consumer enterprise and industrial, the industrial definitely ha seems to have more yeah. potential for kind of growth and more potential for being success over the kind of other two, really, because of the use cases. Yeah, of course. Of the use cases, well, at the end of the day, I mean, it's like everything, um, it's exciting technology, and if also you look at the Gartner hype curve, at the end of the day, when the hype is down, and actually now the more realism is coming into it, at the end, it's also all about, um, yeah, it sounds bad, but it's all about money. It's at the end yeah. all about investment, uh, also about usage, and also about the business benefit you get out of it. I mean, uh, again, I always say that uh, if you have a 3D rendering of your real world, um, and you call it metaverse, however, how, how cool it is in the different business scenarios or even private scenarios, you need to have a benefit out of it. And mm -hmm. the benefit is not only to have it in the 3D real world, but also to have uh, additional features or, which also I was imagining since a long time, is of course looking how you could um, imagine new capabilities, how and new solutions to traditional business problems, or how you can also find new business solutions, more or less, which you cannot find mm. without technologies. I mean, I always say, okay, you can always um, pre-pandemic sit in front of the computer and do your work, um, have it in 2D, or also uh, you can also do things actually without AI and also without um, metaverse, but there must be something which you can do more efficiently, effectively, or you find out new business models and also new ways how to um, solve topics, or you have new ideas how you can do things completely different or new areas mm -hmm. so you can find also new business models. And that's something which which is which uh, is the the I would say the um, cherry on the on the cake more or less, which you always need to find out. It means what is what is is it what you can do with these technologies which you cannot mm -hmm. do. Before.
What do you think will be the biggest turning point for the metaverse that kind of sees it become mainstream? I mean, as you also previously said, that means perhaps you need to distinguish a little bit between private life and, and business life. Yeah. Uh, but, I, but I guess if you look at it from an industrial setting, then, I mean, what, what do you think will be the biggest, or, or, or well, first I think, do you think there will be a turning point? And if so, kind of what do you think it will be where it becomes kind of, you know, mass adoption and literally every single company is using it? I would say, as I mentioned, the business benefits and business outcomes are the important thing. Um, I yeah. I still see that Metaverse for us, or how we define it, is not necessarily only um, the XR component, it means XR yes. component, yeah, yeah. with immersive computing. Um, I see it more about Web3 plus um, the whole digital twin, uh, AI, and of course, generative AI, uh, low-code, no-code platforms with visualization. On top, as an option, it could be extended reality with mixed virtual or augmented or mm. 3D real-time rendering. Um, but what I see is more about um, in the industrial space is um, the whole topic of or the whole or the multiple use cases for example as i mentioned previously the whole simulation um, um, area i see actually this is one of the the biggest um, topic with industrial metaverse yeah which uh, which is a network of digital twins with uh, uh, let's say physical assets at the digital world for example that you really simulate the real world which you have in a warehouse in a plant in a in a for example, a retail store or whatever else, like the real world, and mm. then can start your planning, your simulation, which means you can simulate then production lines and optimize them. And of course, at the end, then doing the operation. That means you can operate on the same model. Uh, that means that you can really then, in, a, in like in a car manufacturing plants, um, have first the planning and then have all of the real world rendering how it could look like before it even is built up then start um, with the digital twins and also with your uh, optimization software, or could be also your EAP systems or enterprise resource planning mm -hmm. solutions, then doing the simulation. Then you build the plant or you build your warehouse and then you start the operations, which means then you can operate exactly what you have done there. Yeah. And, then, and then start to really um, also real time uh, see how the whole operation is done if you have voltages outages and how this also will behave into your um, daily life and how of course you could do uh, optimizations or risk mitigations on that I mean say okay how can I mitigate my risk that uh, not the whole plant is stopping because I have one um, for example um, one um, station is not working at all and how can I optimize that uh, and then of course in extension Think about you have built up that plant that's running fine, and then suddenly um, your car production or your car production output needs to be increased by 30% or 40%. How do you do this? And we again take your original plan, simulate and extend it, and also save time because you exactly know how to do that, and then use it again iteratively in the next step of um, operations. You have the real time aspect that really everything is what is happening in the real world is real time also available in your, um, call it metaverse-like um, environments. Yeah. Uh, it's interconnected that everyone can participate. That means I can perhaps, if I steer my car, of course it depends on data protection, data security, and all of these kind of regulation, but I can, I can now see that in front of me there's a traffic jam or whatever else is simple features, but they could also be more complex on that mm. um, with car-by-car communication and so on. And then, of course, you have all of the persistent data 
um, available where you can also predict and also do a projection actually for the future. And again, it could be a mashup of private life, public life, uh, uh, business, like that. But that's again not just only connected or let's say focus on one plan or focus on mm. one business scenario. In the future, it might be that everything is interconnected to each other. Again, mm. depends a little bit on all of the regulations that you have on security, on uh, on data privacy and data security, of course, which is also an important point, but um, there could be endless of possibilities. And I sense like it could be a starting point, like what we had in the internet with uh, mm. uh, uh, and these kind of opportunities. I mean, obviously, with so many different component parts, like you mentioned, like things like kind of IoT and kind of artificial intelligence and, you know, kind of XR and that sort of things. I mean, obviously, there's a heck of a lot of moving parts there. I mean, do you think it will be kind of um, everything will run on a single or, or it, it will reach the point where it will be a single platform that everything is then connected to? Because I think the biggest thing that comes up with a lot of conversations I have with people about the metaverse is kind of interoperability. And I guess there's a lot of different variations and different moving parts at the moment how do you think it will all be kind of managed to kind of converge everything together i mean some ideas which i was i was thinking about was uh, it could be that metaverses or that will be uh, that it could be like availability of metaverses or not one metaverse and the metaverses could be along different segments that could be one area for example that we say it could be done that you have metaverses per state or per uh, country or per region or per area. This could be, for example, one segment. The other segment I could think about is per industry or per cluster. Mm. It could be that you say, well, there's a segment which is more about the public sector and uh, uh, public affairs, for example, and you say, well, there's one big area where you can do your business there. There could be one regarding uh, the banking industry or finance industry. There could be one regarding manufacturing, which there, of course, includes not only the manufacturing process, but also regarding the other processes like sourcing, supply chain, maintenance, um, and also other aspects which also come in there. And then naturally, perhaps these metaverses or these areas then can, can could be then connect be connected to each other to say yeah. more about industry segments. And then um, it's like currently, if you look at businesses, there's also currently the big topic of networks is quite big in businesses currently that you have a network of your processes. For example, yeah. in manufacturing, then you say you have your um supply chain network, you have your sourcing network, you have your network regarding also production and other areas, which is quite big, like also there's initiatives also in Germany and in Europe regarding Catena X, which is actually an automotive network, which includes actually all business processes and all actually um, providers and suppliers for all of the services around that. And I can think that this could be a net uh, a cluster where such a metaverse can start with all of the involved parties. I mean, that would make mm. a lot of business sense. Um, it's less about, the, my opinion, it's less about the platform capabilities uh, with the vendors to say, well, there's vendor A, B, C, D, which now has a metaverse platform, and along that, everyone will jump in. I think, especially in businesses, it would be more along the value chain and more along the um, the networks which are needed to run the business and they would perhaps then create a, a kind of um, call it metaverse for call it automotive or some yeah. area uh, or banking area and so on and so on. I mean that's I think the most 
um, senseful way um, because also businesses, of course, will would like to optimize their processes. And based on this, you can then also create money and also create revenue or create also optimization possibilities. And also the the as I mentioned previously, then to get also the business outputs and outcomes. It's less actually then about devices, tools, and platforms, uh, uh, and and also capabilities. It's more about mm. how we can do business together in an optimal way. I think also as well, it's, you know, like you say, it's a very sensible way of working because if you know, particularly, uh, I guess if you look at the big automotive companies, if they you know group together to form a almost like a minimum set of standards of how things are done as well, then exactly. uh, then there's not that kind of almost um, so show me age for a second, but there's not that VHS Betamax kind of war, I guess, <laughs> where it's like, you know, kind of who's going to, you know, who's going to win out, and and there's that kind of more collaborative way of thinking, isn't it, really? Yeah, it is a more collaborative way, and there is also industry standards and interfaces currently available, also for automotive groups and consortiums. Um, that's there. It makes perhaps a lot of sense there to group them. Currently, of course, the first things is that the first automotive uh, companies are currently looking also into metaverses, but more from specific um, sub-process areas. Is for example, as I mentioned, the, the area previously, warehouse management or production management or warehouse maintenance and so on and so on. Uh, but I sense that in the future it will be hopefully also then much bigger and that also then the business processes which of course then if you look at um, areas there um, they are let's say multi-trillion dollar businesses it's not just mm -hmm. a small business of hundreds of millions or whatever else and it's growing and growing and there's a lot of if you go go back to the commercialization which i mentioned previously about where is um, possibilities even to invest um, these are areas to invest because optimizations, there are really then trillions or millions of billions of dollars which can come out with optimizations, where then, of course, the investment then also makes sense to build up a platform and to invest money into it. Um, because mm. otherwise you start small with, with also, of course, with startups obviously must do, of course, they start with small solutions and small areas to say, well, now we are building up metaverse solutions in this and this and this segment. And with this small processes, you can start, of course, startups need to start like this. But if you come top down to say you have consortiums of businesses and consortiums of um, uh, uh, solutions or businesses, from there actually, you of course, have a much broader impact or bigger impact if the technology involves into, um, let's say, more standards. Because that's the thing, isn't it? And I think it'll, pre it'll prevent industries from becoming that kind of silo thing where everyone's doing their own thing. And I think if it, yeah, if it does kind of group together, then it does make much more sense that way. Yeah, it, it does make sense. And of course, it also makes sense because then it then of uh, of course also of the network event uh, effect. I mean, if you start if you start then that and uh, let's say proven that you're successful, of course, then more and more. If you look at um, uh, automotive, for example, suppliers. Uh, and others then will be onboarded or will could, could add on on that platform and so on. I mean, that's something where where you need to start actually top down to make the biggest impact. But of course, you yeah. need to start with a small set of uh, companies and then make perhaps also this whole thing more open so that more and more can join and uh, also uh, benefit from uh, the, the impacts and also the outputs. I mean, I know you kind of briefly touched on it earlier, but I mean, how how much of an impact or, you know, or, or kind of where will be the major impacts, do you think, from an artificial intelligence point of view around the metaverse? 
I see um, artificial intelligence play a big role in the whole area of digital twins. Um, yeah. For example, of uh, multimodal real-time experiences that you really can also see how a physical machine um, reacts in the virtual world and also simulates that in a context of end-to-end -end processes and also end-to-end -end, um, process change. Because that's something which I see or we see actually as a as a big as a big point. Yeah. Um, of course, the whole topic of generative AI. Um, that means that you can also um, predict and also build hierarchies, assets, and also uh, opti and optimize uh, your businesses with it. For example, if you look at the warehouses, production, um, other physical assets that I can think about that in the future, this could play a big impact in planning and uh, and and simulating and also. If you look one step further in AI, that you can really also simulate the whole chain and uh, have also predictions. There, I mean, there's there's endless optimization possibilities. Yeah, because yeah. At the end, you need to think about how to optimize the construction of an asset, the build, uh, the maintenance, op optimize it again in when it runs, and then come back actually to perhaps reconstruct that. And I can think, based on construction and other areas, a lot of optimization possibilities. I mean, yeah. currently it's more about AI with the chatbot and ChatGPT and uh, is more seen as texture. The next iteration, of course, seeing more into images and image creation and also mm. creation of videos, creation of uh, images, pictures, uh, texts and songs and whatever else you could do. But I think that midterm, that's only the starting point. I see that AI can also in the future play a role in even more um, sophisticated things like construction or construction possibilities or uh, planning or, or, or other areas. I mean, if you open, let's say, imagine a little bit once two steps further, this mm -hmm. could be areas where generative AI could even help in reducing the construction time, reducing the um, time of, um, of uh, uh, planning or optimization also drastically. I mean, that's perhaps one, two steps further. We've seen it now with uh, generation of, um, of uh, computer code and uh, um, as a first step, but uh, that's only the first step. I, I can think about even more optimization possibility. Yeah. So I guess if we kind of, you know, jump forward a few years, which I know is at the moment almost difficult to predict, <laughs> but I mean, what do you think, I mean, from a, a skills point of view then, you know, for people to be successful kind of working around this, you know, working in this industry and working around this industry, what do you think the kind of future skills will look like for the, you know, for individuals kind of entering the, the, entering the industry? I mean, if you look, uh, you mean more the uh, the broader industry, which are the end users uh, for all of these services, mm -hmm. or more about working in the industry to be successful in... <laughs> Call it the tech technology and uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry, more the tech market really. I guess your tech industry I should say. I would say, based on the speed of light which we currently see and how these technologies are involved, I would say, learning, continuous learning, continuous adaptive adapting uh, new capabilities. Uh, that's I think one of the main things which I see currently and. Uh, which is actually something which continuous learning is one of the fundamental assets which we need to have. Yeah. Secondly, what I would see is be in front, be a front runner, and be really in front of, uh, let's say, consuming, understanding um, these kind of new services capabilities and quickly being 
uh, have the ability to really look at the horizon. So what can we do with it? Not what we can yeah. do, but actually what we can do tomorrow in the, in the short-term perspective, which means in the one to uh, horizon uh, one, or zero to one, if you call, that means uh, in the next six months to one year, and trying to yeah. be possible with that. But also we have the ability to look further. That means what kind of uh, new ideas you could build with that. But again, try to understand technology in a realistic way and try to predict what's possible. Do you think it will reach a point where I guess it reaches a ceiling where it can't advance any further? Um, I mean, since I'm quite long in that business, I'm always impressed how quickly uh, and how rapidly things are evolving. Even if you look at the curve of Moore, where uh, of prediction of, of capabilities of computer chips and their, their performance, it means that how quickly and how, let's say, quickly the, uh, the, the performance of computer chips are really evolving. And mm. in the past, there was always the point is that there's uh, something where we say, ah, well, at that point in time, we cannot get the chips faster anymore or also the, um, the performance faster. And I'm always impressed about the capabilities. And I think technology will continue like this. Yeah. I don't think there will be a stop. If you look at also further upcoming technologies, is it uh, quantum computing or other uh, ways which we can see on the horizon? I think it, it will continue at some point and uh, it will continue like this. I mean, I don't see an ending point. What I see is actually, uh, I'm almost pressed about the capabilities, how quick these technologies are ready for the market. I mean, yeah. if you look like this uh, curves where you can understand, okay, how many, how much time did it take to get 1 million users uh, for a platform? And if you look, for example, how long I mean, in the past, what we had is like, uh, if you look at Stone Age of Computer, uh, how much time it took to get so one million user on the browser? Is it in the very past? It was uh, um, Internet Explorer, or even before that, when you looked at uh, Mozilla or whatever else. And then how much months, years, and quarters it took to get one million users on? If you look mm. at the curve, how quickly it is now with latest latest platforms. Is uh, if you started from now, of course, Facebook over now later on. TikTok, or of course now even how much hours it took that ChatGPT had uh, one million users. Yeah, I mean, I'm always yeah. impressed about the adaptability, and uh, I think currently I don't see a limit or I don't see an ending. It's uh, mm. and I think it's currently uh, if all of these technologies are supporting businesses and humans, I think there's no limits to um, that this growth will continue. And even as I said previously at the beginning. It's so easy to use and to combine these um, these technologies in the meantime, and there's so many yeah. people and users really and uh, developers uh, creating amazing thing. I mean, it's it's not. I don't see it ending by now. Yeah. What do you think will be the potential barriers to growth or p potential barriers to kind of evolution uh, of the technology? I mean, what I see is uh, the danger if you look at ethics and if you look at um, also things like uh, security and there, especially if you look at uh, generative AI, the danger of believing and not seeing what is truth and what is not truth and uh, yeah. the ability to the real world. I mean, because uh, I tend to see currently that a lot of people are believing into the results and outputs of specific generative AI solutions, mm. where, where 
always then come back and say, okay, you're not the expert in that area and you need actually to validate this. I mean, mm. in the areas of literature, is it in the areas of getting a computer code? Is it the area of, uh, let's say, giving a, a, a scientific answer to a problem? You still need to be an expert to understand if this is real or not real, the answer, or yeah. 70% or 70% true. I mean, this is one area where I see dangerous. Be, uh, let's say the outputs is, are believed as truth, but needs to be validated. I see ethical challenges often. It means, uh, of course, if you look at machine learning or AI or generative AI, of course, the output that you have depends on the input. And if you, there's a bias, actually, regarding the input that you have, regarding racial, sexual, or other, um, let's say, biases which you have in, your answers could be also more or less, uh, let's say, challenging and not the real truth that you have. There might be challenges, of course, with governments, regulation, um, but yeah, of course, there could be a lot of misuse and, 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 and abuse of these modern technologies. Um, and of course, identity. I mean, uh, um, we also are working here within SAP on self-surveying identities to really then prove who is then this user and uh, if this user is really um, the right user in, in the network and also in the whole, call it processes as a metaverse AI and, so, and other topics. It's important that you have that, but also the possibility of anonymization because sometimes you want to be uh, real, like myself or Martin Yu. Sometimes it would need to be anonymized, uh, would like to be anonymized and not be mm. here. But of course, there also there needs to be an attachment to the to the real uh, uh, person there. And again, I see limitations more on this, but not from the technology perspective, but more about mm. uh, the output and outcomes that we have, uh, which now are really often really challenging. Challenging, I mean, still to really prove them and 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 uh, let's. Prove. If you look at uh, one last example on uh, on that, because I find it a really interesting area. If you currently look at, uh, let's say, articles in the news and articles uh, in which you get in the newspaper, they're mostly validated, which then gives you the real good newspaper from the fake newspaper. I mean, they're validated, yes. they're journalists, they're looking into that, they're checking the facts, they're having a real way to look, okay, this this really happen and do I have proof points for it? Do I have witnesses? Uh, can I prove this and so on and so on? That's of course, if you look at technology, it's mostly not existing because you feed in information and you got output and uh, often this output is not validated. One side from mm -hmm. the perspective, but also from ethical and other areas, which you also need to look at. Um, yeah. Because the news that you got that the output might not be the right one and the one, one to confront the end user with. And these are all aspects which we, which I see, not limitation but actually challenges which need to be looked at and also need to be analysed. Mm. I, th I think there's also, I mean, as you've, as you've kind of mentioned a couple of times there, I mean, I think the validation piece is massive, isn't it? And I think certainly, you know, particularly in the UK at the moment, you know, there's a lot of talk in the press that artificial intelligence is going to result in mass job losses and things like that, as you know, kind of AI will replace people and all the rest of it. But I think there is a there's a massive risk that companies kind of almost see AI as a money-saving tool where, you know, they can do away with certain job roles or certain people, you know, within a business and then just get AI to do the whole thing. But I guess without validation, then it's massively risky, isn't it? Yeah, of course. And you need to still have the experts. I mean, what I see is it's similar like um, coming up 
with uh, with computers in the or personal computers in the 80s means in the past you used to have a typewriter you're typing it you lose time if you then stepped into have a computer where you've optimized that which means you can quicker write text and quicker come to your results but at the end at the end of the day you still need to type something and you need still to do your job I see AI similar like this to help you to be more efficient and quicker to gather the information. But at the end, of course, you'd still need to have the plan and the output and the outcomes you want to achieve. Um, and and you still need to be the expert. That means I can not think that, in, uh, um, uh, for example, generative AI will replace a programmer or a developer. Mm. It will help the developer to be more efficient to get the information that you want to solve. But uh, I, and you still need to validate that, and also you still need to optimize the whole, all its architecture, and also you still need to uh, develop the whole framework. But AI will happen to be to be much quicker, and you can yeah. apply this to different other businesses and services. I mean, you still need to be a good lawyer. Uh, perhaps generative AI will help you to get your searches quicker and also references quicker and perhaps a, a summary quicker which on the, the for example the, the issue you want to solve or the claim you want to to put in but on the other side you need to understand in the detail what you want to solve and also you need to see if this is all uh, valid or not and if the outputs and outcomes are valid or not yeah yeah makes perfect sense I think all in all, it certainly seems like, yeah, it's a really exciting time though, isn't it? And I think particularly in terms of what's on the horizon, it's, uh, yeah, it's super exciting to see what happens over the next couple of years, really. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, again, it's, uh, I'm always impressed every day looking into uh, forums and looking into announcements, which has, again, how things are, uh, let's say, involved so quick and also in a couple of months and quarters. I mean, I mm. see that the speed of innovation is much higher um, and it's will become more and more as a community approach. It means what we also think about, also here at AP, that or also I think that the metaverse and metaverse topics are not an isolated thing. It means you still need to have all the players in with experiences, with the creator economy, with the uh, special computing, with the digitalization, yeah. with human interfaces, uh, which you have, for example, with. Um, all of the devices, hardware device or not hardware device, it means it depends, and also the infrastructure with underlaying all of that. You need to have all of the players together. Um, of course, there will be uh, more players coming, or let's say more bigger players coming to more or less than drive the experience piece or drive the human interface piece with the devices or the infrastructure underneath. Uh, but on the other side, they all need to work combining together because, again, I see the metaverse more about uh, a mix of technologies. And the good thing is uh, on that and capabilities. The good thing on this technology capabilities, they will grow and there will be more capabilities coming in and also more platforms and tools will come in. Perhaps others will disappear on the other side. But it's, it's with this open tool set, you will be able to develop things much quicker and also adapt new technologies much quicker, of course, uh, and that's something which is really, really uh, amazing and uh, really, really, um, let's say, gives creativity a big place. Yeah, definitely. That's brilliant, though. Yeah, I really appreciate your time, Ashraf. It's been absolutely brilliant talking to you today, and yeah, I appreciate you kind of giving me your insights into the metaverse and Thank you. the whole world. <laughs> Thank you very much.